a pleasant day to all our retailers and partner industries. Hi, this is CJS and again of the Shangri-La Plaza Corporation and welcome back to Let's Talk Retail, ang Susie Awards Change Catalyst Award. It's a new year. Happy New Year to all. Okay, Fat Choi. And it's the magic of new beginnings. And it's imperative that we start off positive vibes and hope that this 2023 will bring new opportunities for all of us. Um, as we have done in our 31 episodes of Let's Talk Retail, we promise you a source of aha moments, ideas, strategies, and references that can make your business better, especially as we emerge from the pandemic. All right. To kick off our year, our first guest, let me introduce to you. He's the Customer Care Associate and Managing Director and Chief Executive Officer of Shopper Stop, an Indian department store chain with stores across cities in India. He's an international retail leader with a rich and varied experience in the retail and apparel industry across South Asia and Europe. He joined Shopper Stops in the second half of 2020 and is leading the company's growth, rebounding from the impact of the pandemic and transforming itself into an omni-channel retailer. So there's a pivot. You read his, re his resume, very interesting. Prior to joining Shopper Stop, he was CEO of Westside at Trent Limited, where he was responsible for the growth of the brand across the country for over three years. For a large part of his tenure at Trent, he was also responsible for the operation of Sujo and Lanka. He was also involved with Marks and Spencer's, um, from 2012 to 2017, in fact, he started the operations in India. Um, this is the time that he, during his term, he grew the, the turnover of the business tripled and the number of stores under his operations doubled. So without further ado, let us welcome on screen, Mr. Venu Nair. Venu? Hello, good afternoon. Thank you for good. having me, CJ. It's Thank you also. And an honor to be on this talk show with of the Philippines Retailers Association. Thank you, Venu, for And you're doing this live from Mumbai. Mumbai in India. In India. All right. So it's good afternoon also. It's actually good almost evening here. But anyway, we're, thank you so much for accepting our um, invitation. Now, Venu, I just realized as I was going over your materials, something caught my eye. So I introduce you as the Managing Director and CEO of Shopper Stop, very senior position. Then I saw a note that says, Customer Care Associate. Those are two different positions of two different seniority types. Why is that so? Maybe you can share with our viewers what, what the, why you have three titles. Absolutely, Abed. It's, it's, a, it's a very good point that you have uh, you have raised and it's something which also defines the philosophy of shopstop as a company shopstop is an icon of indian retailing in fact it was the first department store to open in the country first department store format to open in the country and it opened in 1991 so we are this year is our 32nd year and right from the early days the one thing which the business has been focused on is the customer. And the philosophy that Nagesh, who's our 
founder chairman is now a non-exec chairman, but he was the one who started Shopstop, and he instilled this whole belief, the philosophy that each of us working in Shopstop are here to serve the customer and serve the customer first. And that's why in every title, every employee's title, it's customer care associate first, followed by whatever is their job. In my case, I am the MD and CEO, but I'm a customer care associate first, then the MD and CEO, which goes a long way in reminding each one of us every single day as to why we are here. It's to serve the customer. Very interesting. Now, how do you put that into action? So you have those two, three titles in customer care, it's the first one. How do you, on a daily basis, how does that translate into action? Uh, I think it's very, very simple and straightforward by keeping the customer at the heart of every discussion that we have, every meeting that we have, and every action and decision that we take. We always look at what does the customer want from us? And that's the very reason that in 32 years, we as a company have evolved, we have changed and we continue to change. And we continue to change to make sure that we are serving the customer, serving the changing needs of the customer and continue to be an exciting place for our customer to keep coming back to. Because we are conscious that market evolves, the customer's needs evolves. It's about knowing your customer better and making sure that we are serving the customer every single day. All right, let's step back a bit. The whole world went into went through the pandemic. Okay, How would you describe your customers before the pandemic and as they now emerge from the pandemic? What were the changes that you've seen? Uh, I mean, the, the COVID, obviously, it was the uh, uh, an event like never before and hopefully never after. I, I, I think all of us certainly hope it doesn't happen again. And obviously for retail, it was a very, very difficult, painful period as it was probably for most companies, businesses and individuals. But what it did do is it's also forced every, everyone to relook at what's happening. And that extended period also changed the way the customer behaves, the customer require the customer's requirements, and how they interact with retailers like ourselves. The most obvious one, as everyone knows, is that customers have become a lot more digitally savvy. Okay. The during the pandemic itself, we we evolved ourselves and we changed overnight. We changed overnight to be still able to serve our customers through video shopping, being able to serve our customers through the endless aisle, through telecalling. We, for our beauty business, we instituted a white glove service wherein we would do a whole makeup uh, session for our customers through the video. And it was, I mean, this was obviously nothing that we had planned, practiced, but the it was, I mean, the, the necessity is the mother of all needs and that's what we ended up doing. And, some of that has continued and stayed on. And the biggest shift that we see today is that for all retailers, being omni-channel is an absolute necessity. 
because today the customer starts their journey digitally and then comes to the store and in some cases does not even come to the store. On the flip side, there are times where they will start the journey in the store and finish it digitally. So the giving the customer the ability to weave in and out of the store or from, this, on the, or from your website or whether it is a mobile app is absolutely essential today. And what we have done over the pandemic, the big transformation which we have bought for ourselves is to move from being a brick and mortar focused retailer to being an omni-channel retailer. And we do that by making sure that every single product that we sell in our stores, and we have over 100,000 SKUs that we will be retailing at any point in time. And all of those 100,000 SKUs is available on shopstop.com as much as it is available in any of our stores. So it gives the customer real-time visibility and availability of every single product that we might be selling anywhere in the country. Does this mean that the, the Indian shopper has already started to um, spend less time in the brick and mortar? I think uh, it is a lot more focused visit that we speak and the amount of time that they spend in the store is definitely more crisper. What we also find is it's a lot more serious shopper who's coming in. So the number of people coming in just to browse is has gone down. And what we see is people who do come in are coming in with an intent. I think the reality today is for, for every retailer in India today is that the customer knows about your product much okay. more than they knew before. Okay. And in many a cases, they probably know more than what your colleague in the store knows because they've done the research on it. Right. So what is the challenge now to the, if they know more than before, okay, how do you make that into money-making opportunity? And I think uh, what, I mean, one of the unique features that Shopperstop has we have personal shoppers in our store and personal shoppers have been a feature and it is a service that we offer our customers. And it is, as the name suggests, it's a personalized service. And the evolution that has happened from pre-COVID to post-COVID is that the personal shopper is now evolving to being a personal stylist. Okay. So it's not just about the product, because as I said, the customer probably knows about the product, but it's going beyond as to how you pair that product with something else. So if someone's buying a dress, what jacket would they pair it with? What shoe can she pair it with? And so on and so forth. And that additional support, additional information, additional information about the latest style, the latest trend, is what we are now bringing on to our customers. So the opportunity to upsell. Absolutely. The opportunity to upsell. Now, um, how many shopper stops are there? And where's your major source of business? What city or what region in India? So we are a national retailer. We are uh, spread across over 50 cities. Okay. And if I just give you a little bit of a wider perspective of yes, shopper stop. We are, um, in terms of size, 
uh, we, we have 96 department stores. Uh, we have 25 airport doors. Yeah. We have 10 home stops. And we have close to 150 beauty doors. Yeah. So that's the spread of our business. Right. The department stores, which is the largest part of our business, and on an average, a department store is between 35 to 40,000 square feet. And we retail apparel, beauty, home, footwear, watches, sunglasses, travel, and similar accessories. So that's the spread of the categories that we have. The airport doors are smaller and Typically, and we are in four major airports. We are in Delhi, we are in Bombay, Hyderabad, and Bangalore. And in each of these airports, we have multiple doors. So that's why the 25, like in Bangalore alone, we have six different doors. And they uh, one for men's, there's beauty, there's luggage, and so on and so forth. Home stop, as the name suggests. Now, home is available as a shopping shop within department stores. And apart from that, we have 10 large home stops stores which are just standalone home and that's a category which uh, we have been for for a number of years now and uh, in total and finally the beauty piece the 150 odd beauty doors we have a very strong partnership with Estee Lauder for the last 17 years so all of the standalone brands of Estee Lauder Mac Clinique Bobby Brown Joe Malone Too Faced and Estee Lauder itself are all operated by us. And uh, we have those as standalone boutiques as well as shopping shops within the Shopper Stop ecosystem. Very uh, extensive coverage. And the latest extension that we have on our beauty and the beauty market has evolved. And we have now launched SS Beauty, which is the standalone multi-brand beauty format of ours. So we have 10 of those as we speak today with an ambition for us to grow that very, very rapidly. It seems that beauty is the one that's growing for you, which is what we've seen globally also. Yes, absolutely. And that's that's definitely one which uh, is at the cusp of, I would say, rapid growth. I was looking at your Instagram and I noticed that you have a very young market and a millennial market. Is there a difference from the way the Indian millennial will shop compared to the other millennials in the other countries? Uh, yes and no. I think while there are nuances, as, as the world has got better connected, and today what happens in New York or Paris or London or Milan, yes. or indeed in Manila, people know the next minute. And so to that extent, I think the, the Gen Z or the Gen XY today is as connected to the rest of the world as they are to the country itself. And so the global trends, the global fashion trends are fairly common. At the same time, the nuances and the difference that comes in is that India as a market has got a very strong ethnic handwriting. And especially when it comes to traditional events and, and more so in women's wear. And if I put that in perspective, uh, women's, is 75% of the total retail market or the total apparel retail, 75% is women's. But within that, a majority is actually Indian wear. 
saris, talwas, So that's something which is unique. It is shifting, and women are moving more and more to Western wear. But when when it comes to occasions, they still would prefer Indian wear. I notice a lot of that of the traditional. Yeah. Very nice. Um, <clears throat> do, do you th do you think that online will ever replace brick and mortar? I, I no, I don't think it will replace. I think yeah. they will. As I and I, I very very strongly believe that the present and the future of retail is omni-channel, okay. where the customer chooses to engage with you either offline or online, and in all probability as a combination of the two. Most journeys today start digitally. I mean, they would look at the app first and then walk into the store, but one doesn't replace the other. And especially in the case of Shopstop, and we are in the premium end of the market. So right. we have premium and lifestyle. And at that end where the price points are higher, we are retailing some of the best known brands in the country and some global brands. They do want to touch the product, feel the product before they actually buy it. And hence the physical part is always important. And I think we've seen that even in the Western markets, the most evolved markets, while the prediction when COVID happened was that the brick and mortar retail would have a serious dam, a serious hit and it'll all be digital. Once the markets have opened, we've seen that physical retailers come back and come back very, very strongly. And there is a need because retail in itself is a therapy for a lot of people. And going to the store, the experience that you get into the store, the touch and feel is very, very important. Specifically in India, it's also an occasion on its own. And it's a day out. India as a country is, uh, is very social by nature. Family is very important, meeting of family, meeting of friends. And shopping becomes a part of the entire day when uh, the family would be out for a meal, watch a movie, shop in the mall, and hence the whole importance of that physical experience combined with online. Oh, so it's really beyond functional. It's not just transactional. It's Absolutely. There's an emotional portion of it. Absolutely. And I think that is the most important part. And I, I mean that, that that's also what makes it essential for customers to be able to feel the product, touch the product, because there is there is, and it's not just an individual going across, it's a much bigger event. Did you experience revenge shopping in 2022? I think so. I think, I mean, obviously it's very difficult to put a number to it, but yeah. we saw and uh, this this uh, financial year and we have an April to March financial year, the rebound after the third wave and in India, the third wave of COVID happened in uh, January. The peak was in January and then it started to subside in February. And from the second half of March onwards, we saw, we saw the return of the shopper into the store at a much faster pace than what we had seen after the second wave. And uh, we did see uh, a number of uh, shopping trips happening because of events that were postponed, weddings, engagements, right. parties. And I think they all go back to revenge shopping, really. People wanted to get out. People wanted to be with friends. People wanted to 
go back and do what they had not been able to do for a couple of years. So there was certainly that wave. And following that wave, I think the second wave, which also happened was a return to work where people had been working from homes and as offices started to open, people getting back to work. And the most obvious uh, illustration of that was the fact that formal wear, which everyone thought is gone, yes, came back and came back very, very strongly. People want to party again. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, I was looking at the, I was looking at the recent interview of yours, and one of the things that caught my eye was the first citizen loyalty program and online retail personalization. So maybe you can spend a few minutes on talking about your first citizen loyalty program and your online personalization. Yeah, the first citizen program is something which is uh, very, very close to our hearts. And it is our loyalty program. It is uh, one of the oldest loyalty programs in the country. And it is still one of the most recognized loyalty programs. It, it, we have over 9 million loyal customers today. Oh, and, and in any given week, uh, about 75% of our sales come from our loyalty customers. Uh, which which is a really good position to be in because what it means is that we have customers who know us, like us, and bless us with their business week after week, month after month. And this is a loyalty program which is growing every single week because we enroll new members as well. And within the loyalty program, we have tiers starting with uh, the black tier at the top and the black tier at the top is actually an annual subscription program where we charge the customers close to $70 to be a part of the program and in return they get a number of benefits which are exclusive to the black tier. The other tiers are a one-time payment but I think the point to emphasize it's not a free loyalty program it's a paid loyalty program and the reason it's a nominal fee and uh, it's it's not much, it's uh, close to uh, $5. But the reason we have kept a fee is so that it's a customer who's making an engagement with you and hence that fee. And what it does is it gives us good customers, people who are serious about shopping and who are most likely to come back to us. And that's the reason we have that high share of loyalty sales every single week. Uh, what we have leveraged on, and this loyal base, the loyalty data is, is very, very valuable as you all know. Yes. Over the last couple of years, as we made, started transforming ourselves into an omni-channel retailer, we have leveraged the data and we have built our own program called Jarvis. And what Jarvis does is it takes data from all the different sources that we have, from the product data, the store data, the online data, and the loyalty data, and puts all of that under, under one, into one data lake. And then using AI and ML, we are then able to create personas of our customers. Using these personas, we have created propensity models which we use to then communicate with our customers. And our, our aim is to communicate with our customers as a segment of one, 
where effectively, and CJ, if you were to be one of our loyal customers today, if you are a First Citizen member, you would get a communication which actually details out saying, dear CJ, thank you for being a First Citizen member. You have been a customer with us from 2015, as an example, when you walked into our store in Bandra. Since then, you have visited us 15 times and we notice that your favorite brand is Tommy Hilfiger. And hence, as a gesture and to say thank you, here's a voucher for 500 rupees for you to shop from Tommy Hilfiger. So it's individual, it's personal. Right. The whole relationship with us. And that's something which is very, very powerful. So you feel special as a customer. Absolutely. And that's what we want to do. And it's a video. So we create a whole video around that. And this is harnessing. Did this come in more, uh, became more relevant during the pandemic? I, definitely. I think it became uh, a lot more, uh, I mean, the focus on it happened a lot more during the pandemic. And we, we definitely uh, started to envisage and work on uh, using the data, mining the data, and the need to do it became a lot more uh, acute during the pandemic. And this data mining, or what they say, managing big data, does it also, aside from marketing, does it also go into visual merchandising, um, customer experience inside the store? It, it, it is all across. So we are essentially across the whole business. We now have Jarvis, which is being used by our store colleagues, by our marketing colleagues, by visual merchandising, our e-commerce e teams, yes. buying teams. Everybody has the data. Everybody uses it. I mean, as an extension, when we now have conversation with our brand partners, we are able to share with them data at a detailed level in terms of who their customer is, what right. are the brands that customers are buying, which part of the country are they like buying from, and in different parts, what are the regional variances that we see? As I said, we are in over 50 cities and India is a large, India is a large country, as you know. So there are huge regional variations that come in. What sells in the east of the country would be quite different from what would be selling in the south, for example. And for brands to be able to see that variation, see that difference, helps them to be able to then catalog accordingly. Right. Right, you're able to bespoke the offerings. Yeah, absolutely. So you don't end up buying unnecessarily inventory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you talked about big data, that can be very overwhelming. How can you manage that? The TMI, too much information. I think the the real the real thing to manage is not data. Data is, I think, retailers have always had. Tons and tons of data. Right. There's, there's data from stores, there's data of customer walk-ins, there's data of what they're buying, how often they're buying, all of that's available. It's about using the data. And I think it's about changing the mind. Oh. It's about individuals and it's about professionals learning to adapt, look at the insights that the data is giving, and most importantly, doing something with that insight. Insight on its own is, is just good information, leads to nothing. It's only if you convert those insights into actions. That's what it means. 
I would urge everyone in my own team to always look at less things, but look at things which will lead to an action that we can change something for our customer. And that's what will take our business forward. Now, related to big data and insights, gut feel. If you've been, you've been in the industry, as looking at your profile, you've been in the industry, retail industry for a long time. How do you now do my work together, gut feel and big data? But I think that's a brilliant question. And as, as retailers, and especially as people who bring out product, uh, our customers don't need another shirt or another dress. They have enough of it. Data will tell you that they bought a blue shirt, so let's continue to buy a blue shirt. The gut or the instinct or the eye of the buyer or the designer comes in as to what's that next thing which will get some people to buy into something. But at the same time, leverage the data to say how much to buy of that. So what to buy would still be the gut part. How much to buy will be what the data will tell you. All right. Now, so that we talked about retail personalization. We already covered that with this. Now, my last questions would be revolving around your outlook for 2023. What do you think is retail for 2023? Uh, I'll, I'll talk about India first and uh, yes. what we expect in, in the country. India uh, has largely been insulated to, to, and I use the word largely, I mean, obviously there has been an impact of global events, whether it's the trouble in Ukraine, the energy crisis that has come because of that, inflation all across, India has been relatively less impacted. And that's partly because uh, it's a large country, it's got a huge home market, and the economy is growing quite rapidly within the country. So the expectation for the growth of the country is between six to 6.5%. Right. And we would expect ourselves to grow at a pace slightly faster than that. So that's what we are budgeting for ourselves. Uh, in terms of the customer behavior, I think the, the revenge shopping or the peak or the surge that we saw post COVID has now stabilized. And I think we are back to business as usual from a large perspective. Uh, the customers are looking for new experiences. And I think that will be very, very crucial and key engagement in the store will be vital. And because of the fact that today, the customer is exposed to multiple channels, multiple modes of information, being right up there in terms of fashion, in terms of trend, and bringing them the latest, not just product, but combined with experience across online and offline will be crucial for us to stay ahead. Eventually, what we try to do is to stay that half a step ahead of our customer, not one step ahead, not with the customer, half a step ahead of the customer, because that's what they come to us for, to get something new, something different. And that's what Shopstop has always been known for. All right. And to wind down our conversation today, in one word, what is your advice to your fellow retailers? One word. Innovate and engage your customer. Okay, I'll give you the second, the, the, the last two words. All right, so 
innovate. All right. Thank you so much, Ben, for spending time with us. Very inspiring and very insightful. And I'm very happy that you shared your experience, especially as we all emerge from the pandemic. Again, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Venon Nair from Shopperstock in India. Thank you again, Venon. Thank you. I'll use the Indian way of saying thank you. Thank you. I shall see you again. All right. See you in Manila, hopefully one of these days. Thank you, CJ. Pleasure having being on the show with you. Thank you very much, man. I was going over my notes and having a discussion with Ira of the PRA. Uh, I work with Ira for the podcast. Um, I realized that there was an elephant in the room question that I was not able to ask, Ben. Luckily, Ben was happy to indulge. And here is the question. During the pandemic, the department store category was very challenged. As such, are the department stores going the way of the dinosaurs? Your thoughts, please. And here is Venu's answer. It's a very interesting question, CJ. And uh, if I may, this is a question which has been around for years now, the future of department stores. And going as far back as I think early 90s onwards, this question has been asked. And the fact that in 2023, this question is again being asked, uh, just I think in a way answers itself. Of course not. Department stores is a destination and it's a, it's a mecca of retail. Uh, department stores typically operate as a house of brands, multi-category in many a times. And uh, clearly it has a place in the retail environment for which customers will come to. Uh, of course, retailers and department stores have metamorphosed over the uh, years in the past and continue to innovate, continue to change and transform themselves, uh, answering the changing needs of the consumer and their customers. Uh, the present and future of retail is omnichannel and I think all of the department stores which have made that journey, have started that journey and have got onto that path are the ones who are prospering and continue to do well. And of course, those who don't make that journey will die. There's no two ways about it. And that's what we have seen. Selfridges, I think, is the best example of all. The way Selfridges has continued to be an aspirational destination for customers to come to. And that's really the journey that has always been seen by the world. So that's something to look up to. And there are numerous other examples in Korea, in Thailand, here in India itself, and I'll come to India in a minute, but world over and even in the UK, while Debenhams have vanished, Marks & Spencer continues to survive and has taken on a transformational journey in terms of uh, being omni, but also progressing on food. Next, another example. and. Uh, I think Marks & Spencer, while it has had a challenging journey, Next has moved forward quite nicely and has continued to stay ahead of the curve and so on and so forth. There are a number of examples, Nordstrom in the US, another great example of a business which has continued to innovate, continue to stay ahead of the curve in terms of uh, what the customer is looking for and continues to prosper. In India itself, uh, I think the the uh, 
path is even more attractive because of the fact that only 30% or less than 30% of the retail market today is in the organized sector. More than 70% is unorganized. It's the mom and pop shops. And this unorganized retail obviously has uh, limits of how far they can grow. Over the last 15 to 20 years, the growth of organized retail has been spectacular. And most of that growth has come from moving the unorganized to the organized. And that will continue to do. I mean, even if I look at developed markets like Thailand or Malaysia, uh, you see that the uh, organized retail is over 50%. Of course, in the truly developed world, the rich countries of the world, it's 100%. So you can see the headroom. And for a country like India, the, the, the growth opportunity is absolutely immense because of that. So I think department stores have a very good future, provided they continue to transform themselves with the changing needs of the customer, continue to move the omni journey so that customers can choose to engage with them the way they want, at a time they want, at a place they want, weave in and out from a digital space to the physical space, on and back and forth. And that's really the future. As I said, the key is to stay half a step ahead of the customer. And that's what the omnichannel retailing will do for department stores. And that's really the way forward. And that's it, friends of the Philippine Retailers Association. Don't forget, we are on YouTube. Click to subscribe. And we're also on Spotify. Click and subscribe too. So that you'll be able to access good learning materials through Let's Talk Retails, more than 30 episodes. Thank you again for tuning in. This is CJSN of the Shangri-La Plaza Corporation. Happy selling in 2023. See you. Bye.